We have to get honest with ourselves. So we create for ourselves an image that we want other people to see and we create a persona that is not childlike at all. Children don't do this, they're just themselves, aren't they? And you, you can't pull the wool over their eyes. They'll know if an adult is not, is not being true. They can come on with all the old smarm, but kids see right through it. Just They just see right through it. So we create something that's based on the world system to be like them. And beloved, we will never win them while we are like them. Uh, the thing that I have noticed that is uh, gripping the British church right now is a thing called Cafe Church. Uh, I first heard of it from someone who, was, who came over from um, Hackney and I thought God had given him a vision for something, for a Cafe Church. And I thought, well, this is wonderful. But I went to St Andrews on Saturday and up on the front door there, there it is, Cafe Church come along at five o'clock on Sunday and the children can make as much mess as they like, da di da di da We're trying to make it user-friendly. We're trying to adapt to the culture <coughs> so that we can reach them. But what are we reaching them with? A powerless gospel. Totally powerless. And as I said to Joyce, that's what God had us doing 12 years ago, 13 years ago, Cafe Church. Only we gave it away, we didn't charge for ours, that's because that's the way he had us do it. And then we did potluck suppers, what's that? And we gave the gospel, that's the old uh, Alpha course. It's like God gives someone an idea and then it becomes a formula and it's lost it. The moment it becomes a formula, you've had it. Because you may get one or two spurious, as Wasson would say, converts. Do you remember using that word? Ooh, spurious converts. Uh, but you won't get people whose hearts are moved by, by the power of God. You just won't get it. Because you aren't moving in the power of God at all. You're moving in the flesh. So the flesh will reproduce the flesh. It will not reproduce the spirit. It can't. We have to be so careful that what we are doing is what God gives us to do and we do it the way he wants it done. Not that he gives us an idea and we think, way, that's good, I'll do it like this. No. <laughs> because that is absolutely putting the kiss of death on it. Because the flesh in anything kills it. Stone dead. Just... That is the kiss of death. Your flesh is the kiss of death. And on that note, I will end. God bless you. <laughs>
to what shall I compare the kingdom of God? It's like leaven which a woman took and hid in three pecks of meal until it was all leavened. Now I was reading this in the NIV and it says it's it was like a yeast that she put in a large quantity of flour until it was all worked right through. And what it did was it gripped me that that is how the kingdom is within us. The leaven is the kingdom that is in us and it's like yeast and it he says that the woman placed it in a large amount of dough until it worked all through the dough and that was what struck me but that this is the top and bottom of the Christian walk the kingdom is worked in us through our life circumstances and experiences until it works right through the whole lump so I couldn't get away from this scripture from time to time over the last four or five days I've just been going back to it and seeing what Jesus was saying He's saying the kingdom of God is like this. It's like this and it's like this and it's also like someone making bread. How the yeast works in it. Um, so the problem comes if we don't understand with the dough and that the new birth is the yeast. I seem to be coming at this from the same thing from all sorts of different angles like it's the seed, like it's the yeast. Uh, but it's so imperative that we understand what happened to us um, when we were born again. God's the one who's doing the kneading and proving of the dough. We're under the hand of God or in the hands of God all the time because he is bringing about the circumstances and experiences that he needs to work that kingdom life into us. And if we don't understand, we're not going to cooperate. So our life circumstances are the proving ground for everything that we learn here as theory. His expressed intention with us is to conform us into the image of his son. And we can either be dough that is pliable in his hands, like that uh, clay dough that Joyce made for Saturday. We had two lots of dough on Saturday because God wanted them to become childlike, not childish. And there was, there was play-doh that she made which was very squidgy and soft and easy to, to mould and there was clay and the clay is much harder and firmer and more difficult mm. to actually deal with um, so we can either be like dough that's pliable in his hands or we keep ro rolling off the table trying to get away we can make it easy or most difficult for ourselves and we get to choose his expressed intention is that he will conform us into the likeness of Jesus. And what I want to talk about is image and likeness. If you go right back to Genesis, I think it's Genesis 2, when he first made man. Genesis to maps. Here we are. It's not. It's Genesis one actually. It's Genesis one twenty six. And God said, "Let us make man in our image, according to our likeness." Two things there: image and likeness. Two sides of the same coin. So He's going to conform us into the 
likeness of Jesus. We have the image because we have the divine DNA, but the likeness takes a little bit longer. It's like seeing and entering the kingdom. There's two different things. You see the kingdom, he told Nicodemus, but entering it was something else again. The other thing is in Christ or in the Lord, two different things. In Christ, we are positionally seated in the heavenlies. In the Lord is behavioural. Image is what we have, likeness is what we become. And it is the likeness that is the top and bottom, the Alpha and Omega of the Christian walk, because we have got to come to the place where we understand we're being transformed from one thing to another. So we have the image, but he's going to change us into the likeness. Two things, image and likeness. The image is the seed that was planted in us at the rebirth. And as we spoke earlier, some of us, this was so real, people wondered what happened to us. I mean, it was with me. They used to stop me in the corridor at work and ask me what on earth had happened because it was so apparent uh, of what had happened. But the honeymoon comes to an end and the house training begins. Something else I spoke about at the weekend about the doggy, you know, having his nose rubbed in it and thrown out the door in order to train him that he doesn't do that indoors. Um, we often miss completely that this is what is happening, the house training. And life becomes ordinary again and we never really get to grips with what the rebirth was all about. And so everything closes in over that seed and again the picture I kept getting uh, was seen in Judges 3.15 you won't like this one I didn't like this one but I kept seeing it strange isn't it the things that the Lord gives you as likenesses uh, now this is one of the deliverers that God raised up um, for Israel uh, they were um, under, what do you call it, not slavery, uh, they were under, they were under Eglon, the king of Moab anyway. And Moab, you'll remember, was one of uh, Lot's daughter's offspring because when Lot did the runner and went into the hill country, his daughters had no one to go with, so they went with, got him drunk and went with their father and Ammon and Moab were the result. So again, as usual, you've got um, those who are not true sons persecuting the ones who are, and they've got, they're in slavery or under the hand of, I can't think of the word, what's the word you want when you say you're in? No, they're like under occupation, but they're, um, it's not vassals too, but it's a word like that, you know, that they're occupied anyway. Uh, so the sons of Israel, verse 14, served Eglon, the king of Moab, for 18 years. But when the sons of Israel cried to the Lord, the Lord raised up a deliverer for them. Ehud, the son of Gera, a Benjaminite, a Benjamite, a left-handed man. And the sons of Israel sent tribute. That's it. They, they, they have to pay tribute. So they're under, under his government, aren't they? They sent tribute by him to Eglon, king of Moab. Now this guy, Ehud, made himself a sword, which had two edges, a cubit in length, and he bound it to his right thigh under his cloak. And he presented the tribute to Eglon, king of Moab. Now Eglon was a very fat man. 
and it came about when he'd finished presenting the tribute that he sent away the people who had carried the tribute but he himself turned back from the idols that were at Gilgal and said I have a secret message for you O King and the long and short of it any of you know is that he because he was left-handed and the way to greet in those days was they pulled the beard of the other guy like we shake hands with our right hand the reason we do that is that we're showing we haven't got a weapon in our hand mm -hmm. because most people are right-handed and so would be holding a sword in that so in those days they used to pull the beard so uh, this man um, Eglon thinks he's quite safe but he didn't realize that Ehud was a left-handed man so while he's pulling the beard he reaches down to his right leg and pulls out the sword and plunges it in to this guy to whom they are paying tribute. So he stretches out his left hand, took the sword from his right thigh and thrust it in his belly. The handle also went in after the blade and the fat closed over the blade for he did not draw the sword out of his body and the refuse came out. That's not very nice. <laughs> But what God was saying was that it's like the fat closes over the seed that is placed in us. It is stifled and our carnal nature surfaces again very quickly. So though he has placed a seed in there, this it closes over us like that soft dough. It closes over it, that seed. And we either go into religion instead of to grace because we don't understand what's happening or we just settle uh, for sameness and we go everywhere trying to find something that's a bit different never realizing that the whole business is about the transformation from image to likeness. We never get to know that God has actually purposefully got something in his heart for us. So we go through the motions of quiet times and study times and we read the Bible and if some of us will do more and more and more Bible study and fasting and one thing and another. Uh, Bob Mumford says he, got so, he fasted so long that he, he had to move about under the shower to get wet. <laughs> <laughs> Which I think is an absolute hoot. But the intimacy that Father desires, which is what Jesus won for us on the cross, the rending of the veil and the entering in, never become a reality. Go to church on Sunday and that's about it really. Old prayer meeting, Bible study, but life goes on as usual and we never touch the heart of God as he desires us to. So where do we see these instructions? So start with Ephesians 4, 14. There's so much in here about putting off and putting on and yet somehow we never hear it taught. And here he's talking about Ephesians 4, 14. I think it's better in my... New King James. That was the New American Standard I was reading from there. In this one, in, in uh, the New King James, it's headed up, put off the old man and put on the new man. But starting with uh, Ephesians 4.14. It's talking about coming to the knowledge of the Son of God, to the perfect man, 
to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. In other words, coming into likeness, into character likeness of Jesus, so that we would no longer be children, verse 14, tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men in the cunning craftiness by which they lie in wait to deceive. <clears throat> but speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. So here he goes, Paul again, put off. This I say to you therefore and testify in the Lord. You remember I said to you before, two things, in Christ Jesus, positional, in the Lord, behavioural. So here we have it testify to you in the Lord that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind having their understanding darkened being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them because of the hardening of their heart who being past feeling have given themselves over to licentiousness to work all uncleanness with greediness but you have not so learned Christ if indeed you have heard him and have been taught by him, as the truth is in Jesus, that you put off concerning your former conduct, the old man, which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lust. That thing is still active, you see, unless you put it off. And be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And that you put on the new man which was created according to God in righteousness and true holiness. And then it goes on to be a bit specific. Put away lying, speak the truth. Don't be angry and don't sit and sin not. Don't give place to the devil. Let him who steals, don't do it anymore. Let him labour, let no corrupt communication proceed out your mouth. So he goes on to say the things that essentially are dealing with putting off and putting on. So that's that. And then Philippians 2, 1 to 16. familiar this is Paul again trying to get them to straighten up if there is any consolation or encouragement in Christ any comfort in love any fellowship of the spirit any affection and mercy fulfill my joy by being like-minded having the same love being of one accord one mind and he goes on then and says nothing to be done through selfishness looking not to yourself but to the others interest more and then he goes on to the classic passage, Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus, and speaks of the, him being emptied and becoming obedient and found an appearance as a man. He humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death. Therefore God has all highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name. So some more instructions on how to do it. Then Colossians 3, 1 to 17. It's absolutely full of it, really. <coughs> it starts off with positional, and then he tells them to put off, 
and then he tells them to put on. So the position is, if or since you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on the earth beneath, for you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. There you are, you are positionally in Christ in God. And when Christ who is our life appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. Now he comes down to the business, put off, therefore put to death your members which are on the earth, and he lists it now, fornication, uncleanness, pardon, passion, evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry. And then verse 8, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. Again, don't lie to each other as if Christians would, since you have put off the old man with his deeds and have put on the new man who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him, where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision nor uncircumcision, Scythian, slave nor free, but Christ is all and in all. Then from verse 12 on, he, he tells you what to put on as the elect of God. What book are you quoting from? Colossians 3. Sorry, dear. 12. Racing forward, aren't I, a bit? And verse 17 he says, And whatever you do, in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to the God the Father through him. And then of course he goes on to talk about submission. So we've got these two things. We've got image and likeness. Uh, we've got putting off and putting on. Uh, <clears throat> we've got in Christ and in the Lord. And to do all these things, we need to become childlike, not childish. And that is going to require us to go from being grown up and sophisticated to becoming like children again. And becoming like a child requires that we become teachable, recognising that we actually don't have everything sussed. Um, none of us have all the truth. No matter what is happening, it isn't all the truth. Um, and we do need to, to have a wide, take in from a wide spectrum about the things of God. Because you get overweighted on, on one um, attribute of God, you're going to come into trouble when things happen like they happened on Saturday, where Sue saw the risen Lord Jesus in battle armour and it frightened the pants off of her and she saw him twice in the in the meeting and and it frightened her because what I know that God is heading towards with those meetings is raising up his army that that is what he is heading towards that is what this is all about getting the people of God prepared for the end time battle of all battles so that we might be ready and not frightened but relishing the fact that we are in Christ and he's won the victory that we, the victory is not in question uh, but we have to be positioned properly for all this to begin to happen um, so, so always keep in your mind God's ultimate purpose uh, that the church will be glorious as Graham's always saying that by the time the church is raptured she will be so glorious the earth will be glad to see the back of her and this is that I believe this is what we're coming into now so we must not get 
focused on the signs and wonders for signs and wonders sake we must be focused on who is doing the signs and the wonders and it's Jesus Sue said that uh, she saw Jesus she said he was so big and he was dressed in she said not up-to-date battle garments but old-fashioned battle garments and she knew he was dressed as a warrior um, and that frightened her and that's not a bad thing because one of the big things that's missing from the body of Christ is the fear of the Lord and as far as I read my Bible it says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom it's just the beginning to have a, a right I love the Lord with all my heart but I have a fear of him that is right it is a right fear um, on Saturday when she saw him like that and and gave testimony to what she'd seen and she said he's not mucking about Joyce and I both felt that the word was actually for her though she had given it out it was for her that he's not mucking about uh, but that's fine uh, if you start trying to close words down you begin to police the prophetic or you police it again and you, you start getting into the same old control issue that runs right across the church you know if it doesn't if it's going to hurt someone mustn't let them say it God's big enough to actually sort that out because he knows that that we'll make a mess of it from time to time and he's big enough to sort it must let him do that so the reaction it had in me was the same as it had when you were speaking about what's happening in Florida my major feeling was one of awe <coughs> totally I was awestruck a bit nervous mixed emotions altogether um, want it but don't know if that's the right you know, the whole thing but big 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 one was awe and just feeling I wanted to call a halt, halt to everything I was doing because I don't want to step out of alignment don't want to step out, step out of line with what he wants to do uh, but I sense that Joyce has already said to me go go ahead didn't you you were praying that over yeah. me this morning before, keep going before we knew that, yeah so the fear of the Lord is absolutely essential. Um, as I say, we can't get can't get overweighted on one of God's attributes. We'll never know them all, <laughs> ever. Not for eternity, we won't. So, becoming a child requires teachability. Recognizing we don't have everything sussed and we don't have everything. Humbling ourselves because we need each other and perhaps the most important thing of all which is age appropriate behavior you know this is porridge on the head bit uh, or or as uh, so bob mumford would say when his little boy was three and he was going around with his gene altry guns strapped to his belt and, and his chaps and his huge cowboy boots because he was being gene altry that was age appropriate behavior if his 37 year old starts it, he feels that is not age appropriate behaviour. <laughs> and it's behaviour which is the likeness, as I keep saying, of Jesus being formed in us. And I'm banging away about the fact that you remember I started talking about being in Christ, which is positional and in the Lord behavioural, two sides of the same coin. And we have to put off and put on. 
Jesus said to Nicodemus in John 3 3, if you just want to look at that. And as Joyce would say, with this I'll finish. <laughs> She's always saying that, with this I'll finish. <laughs> Jesus answered and said, this is Nicodemus now he's saying to him. Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Uh, and in John 3, 5, most assuredly, I say, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Got two things there. Seeing it, entering it. You've got to be born again to see it. And then you've got to be born of water and the spirit to enter and then he goes on to talk about that which is born of flesh is flesh and that which is born of spirit is spirit so the, the flesh is never going to enter the kingdom it's the flesh that's got to be dealt with otherwise it will not go in it's as though there is the seeing of the kingdom which is the new birth and the entering which is coming into the character and nature of Jesus the Holy Spirit working in and working out in us all the time. Working out that which shouldn't be there and working in that which should be there. And the circumstances that we find ourselves up against are the working in and the working out. That's why we, as we'll see when we do this thing on spiritual warfare, we always have to stop when we come into a circumstance and find out who's doing what to whom. Am I reaping what I've sown here? Is this training for reigning? Are you nailing something in my life? Is this you? Is this the devil? We must find out. Cannot launch ourselves straight at prayer. Get me out of here, prayer. When God is actually doing something. Which is why there needs to be an understanding of what has happened with various churches around and about. Some of them are emptying out like a sieve at the moment. It's God. The problem is that people have got their eyes on people and haven't gone to God long enough to find out what he's doing because if they went they'd find he's grinning and giving the thumbs up he has a purpose for all of this he is building his kingdom and if anything in this day and age has gone off of what it was created to do he's going to do a mid-course correction we're not going to get away with it any longer mid-course corrections coming up so to sum up what we've been looking at, we've been looking at image and likeness from Genesis and Colossians, there's more in James and there's more in Romans. And, and I feel that for the next however long uh, it takes, we will be taking an in-depth look at what happened on the cross and how we can come into our inheritance in Christ, the fullness of it. And I sense that we are embarking in uh, on a journey into the heart of God the agape road because he desires intimacy um, but the first thing we need as we come up into this road into the heart of God is that we will find there are boulders and fences and gates and things and giants in the land just like when the Israelites uh, went into Canaan Something I was listening to Bob Mumford this morning. He said, "He said to the Lord, why did it take forty years to sort Israel out?" And the Lord said, "Because thirty-nine wasn't long enough." <laughs> <laughs> it's about it, you see. 
because they would not they would not that they wanted they had the image but they would not have the likeness they would not do what they were told that was the top and bottom of Israel's whole problem they wouldn't do what they were told to do don't want to be like that so the giants some of them anyway are uh, look good feel good be right stay undisturbed have a hidden agenda and these are the things that prevent us coming into the presence because we have created for ourselves an image that we want other people to see if you think about it the whole of the fashion industry is about image it's all about creating an image for somebody else to see to make them think you are what you are not it's all about image we have an image it's the image of Jesus and he wants to bring us into his likeness he does not want us to come to him with an image that we have created of ourselves because all that causes is a blockage we can't come in to his um, presence if we're pretending to be something that we aren't there have been times when I've uh, been sitting up there in bed at night time it's often happened at night time and I've sat there and I've felt uncomfortable and I've said to the Lord, what's going on? And he's saying, well, you're not being real with me. You're, you're trying to be something you're not. Oh, what am I doing that for then? He doesn't say search me because he knows. <laughs> but it's often because I've felt that I've sort of not quite got it right during the day. So I'm a little bit uncomfortable in his presence. And it's ridiculous. I've just got to get honest.